Hello and welcome back to After Whistle Sports Podcast. I'm joined by Jonathan and Jack today for our week one recap. Um, we had an amazing like few days of football. I mean, tonight we still have a game, uh, Georgia Tech-Clemson, which we might go into a little bit, but I don't know. What are, what are your main takeaways, guys? It was a crazy week, a bunch of awesome games. Yeah, I guess I'll start with this one. So, um, first of all, last night, like, one of the craziest games I've ever seen between LSU and Florida State. Neither team really felt like it wanted to win. Of course, we get the blocked extra point after the 99-yard drive that Jaden Daniels led with a minute and 20 seconds to go. We had the crazy out-of-bounds play with one second to go on what people thought was going to be the final play of the game. But, you know, neither team wants to win that one. And then, of course, Saturday night, we have the two big big games, one in the swamp between Florida and Utah, and then the Ohio State-Notre Dame game in which, you know, I, I have some mixed feelings about what Notre Dame did and more good things than bad things about Ohio State, which I feel like a lot of casual fans will tell you they played very bad. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a general – I mean, I have a general dissatisfaction with how a lot of the top – 10 teams in the country played. Um, you mentioned Ohio State. I think their offense kind of came out flat. I agree there were some good takeaways for sure. Uh, I mean, you know, Bama got it done against their whatever terrible opponent they played. Georgia obviously destroyed Oregon. You know, Notre Dame's defense looked solid, but uh, Utah lost. I mean, some of these other teams, like, that were expected to really uh, – you know, hammer some teams like NC State, like had a lot of hype coming into the season. They won by one point against like some, I don't even remember who, but uh, I just think in general, like there were some teams that I think underperformed preseason expectations, but that's how it is every year. So we'll see the teams that actually emerge, like uh, that are, you know, maybe unranked that uh, probably will deserve to be. Yeah, I just want to touch on the NC State point again. I mean, they, should have lost East Carolina. Um, and I think I was, I was talking to Jonathan maybe before the game, or I think it was like the night before. And I was like, watch out for this line. Or no, it was the last podcast. And we were going through our picks. And I said, um, I like Eastern Carolina to cover. And I think that NC State is severely overrated. Uh, I mean, I don't know if, how much detail we want to go into NC State's problems. But to me, that they're closer to a top 40 team than a top 20 team. Um, they don't have the physicality up front. They don't have uh, the ability to really like utilize their weapons to the extent of where they were ranked, which was a, a 13th team, which again, that's a little bit of an ACC. I mean, I'm not going to say it's an ACC push because we saw what that conference can do. Um, but last year, it seemed like certain teams benefited from the fact that Clemson was not Clemson. And so that's where you get some of these wacky rankings from NC State and some of these other ACC teams. Yeah, I, I think this kind of goes back to just the whole, like, returning players are only good if they're good returning players. Like, you can throw out the percentages on offense and defense of how many players you have coming back and and whatever, but NC State doesn't have many NFL players, if really any at all. Maybe a linebacker or two maybe a wide receiver or two. Devin Leary, I wasn't super impressed by last year. And this year, obviously, he wasn't great this week. But, you know, this is a team that many people thought was like a dark horse playoff team. And I think what you said to me last night 
perfectly summed it up. They're closer to the 40th best team in the country right now than they are to the 20th best team. I think I think Utah is another pretty good example of that, whereas they people had a lot of hype for them, even like as a top five playoff favorite, uh, because of how many returning players they have. And I think their talent is a lot higher in that they have a lot they have defensive players that are gonna be, you know, first high round picks in the NFL draft. But uh, you know, and obviously playing in the swamp is really hard and it's it's, you know, the first game, but you lose game one, like unless they win out, like there's no Playoff case, you know, in my opinion, anymore. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think Utah needed to win this game in order to, honestly, in order to like give relevance to the Pac-12 at all. The, the conference itself performed very poorly this weekend, and um, I don't know if that's just based on some of the matchups I had. I mean, they they played some really tough teams, but. I mean, Jack, you were at the UCLA game. Um, you're probably one out of what? The 200 people, fans that are at that stadium? All right, all right. Well, I will say it was like 100. It was unbearable. You only stayed for like a quarter because like it was like 110 with no shade. I will we pull playing. up. I will pull up the the, <laughs> the temperature the in SEC bad. country. I, I will pull up there the are no students at UCLA yet. There's no students. I mean, we have, we have beaches. Sorry, we have better things to do. Then, you know, 100,000 people go sit around, you know, at 9 a.m. And, you know, I mean, I agree. But it's in Los Angeles. We knew nobody cared. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it seemed like your team was also sitting around at 9 a.m. Because they, they really struggled early on against Bowling Green. They did struggle early on. I was very worried when we went down 17-7. I definitely said some things on Twitter that may have been a little bit hasty about UCLA football. Uh, but, they, you know, the offense turned it on in the second half. And, there were some problems for sure. I mean, the O-line blaring, the secondary was terrible. But though we kind of knew about those things, you know, whether our strong suits are our strong suits. DTR, Charbonnet, they're beasts. Bro. Like Charbonnet still, I mean, he rushed like 200 yards. And then uh, the D-line's really good. I think, I think they're, you know, uh, high, high enough quality to, 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 to give some of these, you know, more – heavily recruiting teams like USC align some trouble. But, you know, we know we got to work on, and hopefully – I agree with you, the Pac-12. I mean, that Oregon game was, was embarrassing. I mean, obviously, that Georgia's just a different level, but uh, it's going to be a tough year. Yeah. For the let's, go, let's go from dominant teams to dominant players. Jonathan, you're, you're new here, but last year we have this thing where every week uh, we each nominate a after-the-whistle player of the week. Uh, I can start him off here, and my player um, had eight receptions for 150 yards and three touchdowns, averaging 19 yards per reception. Jacob Cowing out of Arizona, um, <laughs> definitely a name to look out for. And he's, I believe, he's a transfer um, from some, some group of five school. I think a small group of five school, but he was incredible. Um, Jane Delora. Basically, the entire game had him open, and he's really solid after the catch. Not a huge wide receiver. He's 5'11", 175 pounds. He's super explosive, played an amazing game, and ultimately helped Arizona pull off the upset, which, I mean, I called just a, just a week ago, but Arizona is so close to that three-game three win total for the season. So that's a step in the right direction. He played an outstanding game. Um. Yeah, I think – Anthony Richardson has to get a mention here. Um, 
this is a guy that I was super high on. I actually had as my quarterback three in this class coming into the season. And, you know, like people had some doubts. Why did Emory Jones play over him last year? And we found out quickly on Saturday night that the reason Emory Jones played last year is also the reason that Dan Mullen was doing the halftime show for that game and not, not on the field, but you know, he, Throw through for 168 yards, no touchdowns. We didn't get to really see his arm talent that he had to to a full extent, but running for 106 yards and three touchdowns. Of course, the crazy two point conversion he had that went viral. He's going to be a special player, and I'm glad people finally realized the kind of talent he has. Yeah, Andy Richardson was incredible. Um, I will throw in a quick honorable mention before I say my player of the week, and that is. Uh, North Carolina's quarterback, uh, Drake May, played a great game. That game against App State, 62-61, was a lot of fun. But my player of the week uh, is Stetson Bennett. Uh, I think there were sort of a lot of question marks from this Georgia offense in that, you know, they came out winning the national championship, and they still don't believe in Stetson Bennett. I mean, they don't think he was talented enough. I mean, but he, he came out 25 for 31, six incompletions with 370 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, I mean, this guy's legit. Georgia is a very legitimate national championship contender. And if you didn't believe that before, you got to know. I love that shout out for Stetson Bennett because I feel like for as much as we talk about Georgia and how good they are, no one seems to want to give Stetson Bennett any credit. Like, I watched him play. And I didn't, I didn't see any, like, the negatives people were talking about him last year. Like, he, he has great arm talent, by the way. Like, that, the fact that he doesn't have arm accuracy is a lie. Like, he was making throws downfield to different types of targets, um, on the run, in the pocket. Like, I, I hate to say it, but, like, I think he can play on Sundays. Like, he can play in an NFL system surrounded by the same type of weapons that he has at Georgia. Is, is there... 10 quarterbacks in the country right now that are better than him? This is a question that we kind of discussed on our show yesterday. So, so like, from what standpoint? Like, are we looking at in terms of, like, NFL talent or, like, pro potential or just in terms of college, like, how good he is on each Saturday? It's like playing, like, football, like, right right now at this very moment. Like, I don't think there are 10 quarterbacks in the country right now that are playing better football. There might be five. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but. Like all these SEC quarterbacks that you would have put in front of him to start the season, Levis, KJ Jefferson, like Hooker, I think you could argue that Bennett's better than each and every one of those guys right now. Actually, I, I thought KJ Jefferson was pretty good. I did too, but he made, he he made a couple of really poor throws that I, I critiqued him for. But over, overall, he he did a lot with both his arm and leg. I mean, I think there are definitely ten better NFL prospects that are currently playing college football. But I agree with you that like right now in terms of who is the best, like who I would want leading my college football team on Saturday. Doesn't matter is up there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't get to like really say this for the big takeaways part, but the thing that I kept thinking about when I was watching these games is that the SEC is miles above everyone else in terms of composite quarterback talent. Like, there are so many elite-level quarterbacks in the SEC. And, like, everyone always talks about the speed, the offensive line, like the big boys in the trenches. But the quarterback talent was not something I was expecting to see that big of a difference. Like, if you watch Aiden O'Connell, who's supposedly 
supposedly was the second best quarterback in the Big Ten this year. Um, and then you turn on like really almost any SEC team minus Vanderbilt, and you can compare him to anyone. And that's just that's not what you see from the Pac-12, the ACC, the Big Ten. You don't see six or seven quarterbacks who can dominate a game, who you can trust to win you a game. There's a lot of quarterbacks that can help you or like manage the game, but there's not a lot of quarterbacks in the other conferences that can really win you a game like the SEC has. I got a question. So do you think there is a – what do you think – I agree with you. I think the SEC is way above all the other conferences in terms of quarterback play. Do you think there's – what do you think the second best conference is? Because I don't know. Like I feel like it might be the Pac-12. Is that crazy to say? I think it's the ACC. It's the, I think it's the ACC. But, again, like, we, like Devin Leary wasn't fantastic to me. Um, I mean, the Pac-12 had their issues. Like, I think – Bonex did not play very well. Cam Rising did not play very well. Uh, but you kind of forget how – I mean, they had a lot of trends, like Kay Williams, DTR. I mean uh, – Jaden DeLora was fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say the best Pac-12 quarterback I saw. Who? Jaden DeLora. Oh, for – yeah. I Arizona, mean, yeah. I think this is like – it's sneaky depth in my opinion. I don't know. The ACC definitely solid too, but – yeah, I think in the ACC, I mean, Dylan, I know you don't like Tyler Van Dyke as nearly as much as I do, but even besides him, you know, Jordan Travis looked great last night. Drake May, we already mentioned, looked super good for North Carolina. I think that you're going to see a different DJ this year, and that's going to start tonight. Um, and, like, the thing with Clemson is either DJ is going to play well or Cade Klubnick's going to play well. One of the two. And then, of course, Leary didn't look great. Brendan Armstrong is not going to look as good this year because he's not in that air raid system anymore, but he's still a solid quarterback. So, yeah, I think the ACC probably is second in terms of quarterback talent right now. Now, on that note, I think I want to talk a little bit about the game tonight, which is Clemson against Georgia Tech. Uh, And I think, if I have everyone correctly, like I think we all think that Clemson is a college football playoff like at least contender. Like I think they're gonna make yeah. it personally. But what do you need to see against a far inferior opponent tonight that will give you some more hope that this isn't the same Clemson team as last year? I mean, when you say that, I agree with you that it seemed like Clemson had an off year. But what if they win like nine or ten games? Like the fact that that's an off year for Dabo Sweeney and Clemson proves just how dominant. This like this team has been there. Like we kind of forget because they kind of had a bad last year. But like it was Bama, Ohio State, and Clemson. It wasn't Georgia in these past couple college football playoffs before last year. Yeah, but um, I just want to expand a little bit on what I said. Like I'm not saying they have a bad season. I'm just saying they shouldn't lose to ACC teams because they are far better. And so mm-hmm. when they when they lose to ACC teams, that is like something's wrong. Like it's not just like oh they're not playing well. If they lose to ACC teams, they're doing something wrong. And so what I'm asking is, like, what do you need to see tonight that will show you that these mistakes have been fixed? So I think that the main thing, and everyone will point to DJ, but I think the first thing is that we need, we need to kind of see that their offensive line way better tonight because Clemson's not a team that in the last six, seven years has had bad offensive line play, even average offensive line play. So – we need to see that they are back to playing elite level offensive line players. And with that, I think it'll come with DJ playing better 
because giving a quarterback more more time will always um, end up with better results. I'm also really excited to see Will Shipley healthy tonight. He's my pick for the Dope Walker Award, best running back in the country. And, you know, I think healthy last year, he has a better freshman season than Travis Etienne does. So I'm excited to see the leap that he makes. Yeah, I think there's a question mark because this is the first time in, I think, Dabo's entire career at Clemson, it's like 15 years, that he's had both a new offensive and defensive coordinator in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Venables mm-hmm. Uh, left to go be the head coach at Oklahoma. Uh, Tony Elliott, defensive coordinator, went to Virginia. Um, so I think I think this is a very new team. I think, you know, the quarterback problems were there. Um, I think he's he's talented enough. I mean, he was this guy with a Heisman top five favorite. He was like, you know, last year. Uh, I think I think he's I think he's solid. I think he'll have a lot of improvements. Um, I think this game needs to be a statement game, though, showing that these ACC teams that they're heavily favorited are not going to be playing with Clemson. I think Clemson is, needs to put up – I think they will put up three, four touchdowns in the first half. I don't really think this game is going to be close. Um, you know, but uh, defense definitely got to get there, too. I mean, we talked a lot about the offense, but, uh, you know, new new coordinators are, you know, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I expect I expect Clemson's defense to be flying around the field tonight. Um, I th- I believe I had them ranked as like maybe my second the second best defense in the country, with Clemson, and which is crazy because Georgia and Alabama both have really really good defenses. I just think Clemson's on that level, mm-hmm. and so I want to see that tonight. Like I want to see I want to see Georgia Tech with less than a hundred yards rushing, and I want to see them. Like shut out in the first half, because I I think listen I think their offense will be better. Um, I don't think Dabo is going to accept the fact that he has a five star quarterback sitting on the bench and his starting quarterback is not doing his job. Like he won't accept that, especially after last last year. So whoever starts a quarterback or whoever plays tonight or in the future, I think will be the guy that Clemson needs in order to win games. But their defense to me is what I need to see the leap from really really good to elite and if they can't if they can make that leap then i think that they're a national championship contender yeah i mean it, it'll be interesting to see because i mean we we saw this first week it's going to be tough to keep up with alabama georgia and i know ohio state didn't play particularly well offensively but we we, we know what they're going to end up being on that side of the ball so i think the offensive jump is is just probably the main thing to look out for tonight Let's go back and talk a little bit about um, like one team that surprised you or disappointed you. Maybe we can do like go through surprised first and each of us gives um, our choice and then, then we'll go through disappointed later. So anyone wants to start with a surprise team? I guess I can start then. <laughs> um, again, I talked about them already, but Arizona really surprised me in terms of the way that they won. Like, I thought that they were going to win the game. Um, but San Diego State was a solid program. They didn't play very well the other day. But I thought that the game was at least going to be back and forth. But that wasn't the case. Arizona completely dominated. Um, I don't think they they um, were down at all in the entire game. And they just looked really good. And they played really clean football. Jed Fish coached a really good game. And – you saw the level of t- 
talent that they have on the outside with all their athletes that they they got this year. And I'm still sticking with my pick that they can be a surprise team in the Pac-12 and they're going they're going to beat teams. Like they're just too good to not win big games. Uh I guess um I can go next. Um the team that I guess surprised me this week was BYU. They came into the week I think a 12 point favorite against South Florida and that game was I want to say 38 nothing at one point. Final score was 50 to 21. They played extremely well on both sides of the ball. They ran the ball for 312 yards, and Jaron Hall threw for 261. This is a team that we know how difficult their schedule is. They got those four key games between Baylor, Oregon, Arkansas, and Notre Dame. And if they win all four, they're going to be a playoff team with with those quality of wins. And I think this is a team that probably beats Baylor this this week at at home. They, They look that good. Um, I think for my surprise team, I'm going to go with Syracuse, kind of an out-of-the-box pick for sure. Uh, but I really, really expected them to not be able to deal with the offensive showcase that I think people expected out of Louisville. Um, Malik Cunningham, kind of a big talked-about uh, player. And Louisville got held to seven points. Uh, Malik Cunningham had 150 yards passing and only 30 yards rushing. Uh, I thought Syracuse's defense played really well. Uh, and, you know, obviously they have some they have some great pieces. I mean, we talked about John Tucker uh, a lot. He, I think, is is a top five running back in college football. I mean, he only ran for 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but there were, you know, he also caught six passes for 85 yards and a touchdown. I and mean, this guy is a legitimate dual threat. Uh, I think Syracuse would give some of these eight teams in trouble. I think it was a road game for Louisville, so again, you know, but beating, being, you know, uh, the underdog by touchdown and coming out and winning by more than three touchdowns I think is is a pretty noteworthy Okay, I want to go into Oh, sorry, are you going to comment on that, John? Yeah, no, I was just going to give a disappointing team, but I, um, okay. if you, you, you want to go first, go ahead. I, I'm going to actually do two. I'm sorry if this is taking some. No, go, all good, all good. These, these are two Big Ten teams. The first is Iowa, who um, did not score a touchdown, but they won 7-3 to against mm-hmm. uh, South Dakota State. Terrible. Like, like really, really bad. I, I don't even want to talk about them anymore because no one should have to acknowledge that that game even occurred. <laughs> Iowa's just, just Iowa, okay? Then the next team I want to go through, and I think they're on the disappointing team for Week 0 as well, but Nebraska – really struggled with North Dakota. Um, they ended up winning 38 to 17, but they were tied in the second half. And they also let up 10 points in the third quarter. And so this game was not an easy game for Nebraska. Um, they seem to be getting worse each week, which I didn't know could happen. This is going to be a brutal season for Nebraska. Like, yeah. they, might, they might only win like two games in the big time. I mean, Iowa, how about Spencer Peters? Dude is terrible. I used to like – What does he need to do to not start? Like, actually, what does he need to do? <laughs> I don't know. I this, this The Iowa's offense was like – I mean, that, does South Dakota State have a – like, do they have, like, they have a weight room? Like, I don't know. Um, But my disappointing team, I mean, it's pretty obvious for sure, but it was Oregon. I mean, I think Bo Nix had a lot of expectations coming from – 
the recruiting standpoint from where he came from, really fell flat at Auburn. Uh, and this guy, I mean, 21 for 37 with a QBR of 59 and two interceptions and no touchdowns. That was not a good stat line. I mean, again, we talked about Georgia. I think a lot of this was a testament to how dominant they are going to be in this year. Uh, you know, but not 49 to three. I mean, that's brutal. And this team, like, was supposed to be the second or third best team in the Pac 12. I mean, uh, it's very disappointing. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, new head coach, new coordinators, obviously another tough scenario coming in, a lot of transfers, but uh, they did not show what I think they wanted to show. So my disappointing team, and this one could surprise some people, but I'm going to go Kentucky. And, you know, this is like Kentucky covered by a touchdown, but they didn't play very well in the first half. And they ran the ball for under two yards per, per carry. And the Mark Stoops teams, like their staple has been just running the football down people's throats. And I get there without Chris Rodriguez, but they're going to be without him for the next two games. One of them being Florida in week two. I, I thought it was just a really disappointing night for a Kentucky team that I think is the highest expectations coming into a season that they've ever had. And, you know, this is a kind of a team that I felt would underachieve. And I, I think they kind of proved me right. Uh, in week one and I think Florida's going to handle them in week two sorry real quick I want to do another disappointing team (laughs) I feel like there are a lot of disappointing teams but um South Carolina uh, I expected them to steamroll um Georgia State and the score line or the final score might be a little bit misleading because they, they scored a lot of those points kind of in garbage time in the fourth quarter but Georgia State really hung with South Carolina for most of the game and Spencer Rattler I mean, he threw a lot and he threw some touchdowns. He threw for for a good amount of yards, but he also made a ton of mistakes. Um, South Carolina also scored two of their touchdowns off of punt return or like punt block, block, blocked punts that they returned for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And so I have a ton of questions still about South Carolina's defense. I thought their offense was just all right. And like, if you're in the SEC like that, like this is a game where you need to get things right and show your dominance. And that did not happen. Like at, at some points in the first half, Georgia state looked like the better team. I'm going to throw in one more disappointing team. Cause I actually just came up with one. I was actually pretty infuriated by the way Houston played. This is a lot of teams, a lot of people's pick to represent the group of five in the New York six bowls. And I thought based on just the offensive personnel they had, had it was a really bad game plan in the first half until they were down and were almost forced to throw the ball late. I thought Clayton Toon played pretty well. I thought Tank Dell was pretty good, but overall, they just really poor offensive line performance, and they had a lot of trouble slowing down a UTSA team that lost their offensive coordinator from the prior year. Should we talk about next week? Yeah, we can talk about next week a little bit. Um, I guess we could just do like a few games to look out for kind of what we want to see because I think we're still planning on doing another like full prediction, um, more like betting podcast later in the week. Mm-hmm. But I do like kind of looking ahead a little bit. So I was thinking like we can pick some of the bigger games and kind of like give our like early predictions kind of before wow. the lines all come out and change and whatnot. But let's start with Alabama, Texas, the the biggest game of week two. 
Um, I'll just give my two cents first. I, I think Alabama is going to steamroll them. Uh, Alabama is just – they just always seem to play well in the non-conference, and they always seem to beat teams that um, – think they have him down like i think steve sarkeesian actually thinks he has a chance to win this game and i think texas fans think they have a chance to win this game i'm here to say absolutely not the early line is alabama minus 20. i think that's going to be pumped up a little bit (laughs) during the week i'm i'm getting that before it gets to 21. yeah like listen alabama's gonna win by maybe 30. um i see a very similar scenario to what georgia did to oregon where Alabama's playing their third stringers in the fourth quarter and still beating the um, Texas starters. I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I think Texas, I think their offense will come out a lot better than Oregon is coming out. I believe this game is in Texas as well. Um, But I'm with you that I think Bama will still win by, I mean, 20 is a lot of points. But, you know, I I agree that I think Bama wins and covers – um, I'm predicting a score, something like, you know, 52, 30 or something like that. I think that's not uh, all that, you know, ridiculous to say. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Texas has a realistic chance to win this game. Um, but, you know, they look solid in their first game against a bunch of deep blue players or whatever. Yeah, so um, next week, uh, I th- I actually think, then next week we have probably the most interesting, like, Pac-12 after dark slate of the season. Um, we have three Pac-12, or not three Pac-12 teams, but three West Coast teams playing late. And those games are Baylor, BYU, Oregon State, Fresno State, and Mississippi State, Arizona State. Or not Arizona State, Arizona. But I think we have a lot of good quarterbacks playing in that session. And th- those three games, I think all of them are are pretty intriguing. Yeah, I, I want to focus a little bit on the Baylor-BYU matchup because I personally really like Baylor. Um, I said it a while back in our in our Big 12 preview, but I thought that this was um, like one of the stronger teams. I think I had Oklahoma ahead of Baylor, but Baylor for sure one of the stronger teams in the Big 12. And it's interesting because they're not built like a lot of these other teams. Um, they have a really, really good defensive line, probably the best in the Big 12. Uh and I think there's still questions about their offense a little bit. Um, I believe like they looked really solid. They played in FCS school week one. So like there's not much you can take away from that. But Blake Shapin looked pretty good with 17 uh, for 20 for 214 yards and two touchdowns. He's going to need to play really well against BYU because BYU is really, they're just so fundamentally sound. You can't make mistakes because they will control the ball. Um, and I, I, I really think this is an interesting matchup of uh, D-line play against really good O-line play. And so I, I think whoever can control the trenches um, will end up winning that game. Yeah, I mean, I like Baylor, too. It, it's a road game for them. And I think BYU is actually coming out as the betting favorite. Um, but I don't, I don't know if BYU, like playing in Provo as the same – advantage necessarily is some of these other home games like obviously they have a lot of fans but like it's BYU like I've heard some very weird stories from players about going to play at BYU like the fans will just like they'll heckle them but they won't like they're not drunk like they're dead sober and they're like yo like you stink 
Like, it's like a very odd, like, dynamic for sure. Uh, but, you know, Baylor came – both these teams came out and played pretty terrible teams. I mean, BYU won a road game by, like, four scores. You know, Baylor obviously dropped 70 points on this or HBCU or whatever. Um, but – you know, I think I think we talked we, we talked about it a lot on the Big Twelve preview, but I, I think Baylor's pretty solid. I mean, I don't think they're a, I, I don't know if they're a serious Big Twelve contender in my opinion. That's a hot take, I know, uh, but I do think they will be. Yeah, let's go on to um, just. I think we have time for one more game preview, and I just want to hear your opinion on this because I'm going to be on Team Arizona. Like maybe the entire season, I need that three wins, okay? And this one would be really important. Mississippi State going all the way to the desert, playing at Arizona. Uh, Mississippi State's currently a betting favorite of about ten and a half points. Which, listen, that's too much. Like, did you see Arizona play last week? Um, I don't think Arizona will win, but I'm excited to see Mike Leach get a little bit nervous in the first half when. He, he looks at Arizona's weapons. Like, he might want to, like, acquire some of them in the transfer portal after the season. But uh, I think Arizona could definitely show out. It's going to be a 11 o'clock Eastern time kickoff. So this one might be crazy. Yeah, the, without a doubt, you know, Arizona did like look very good against San Diego State. Probably the one of the most overachieving teams in – week one, at least based on preseason expectation. But Mississippi State is one of the most dynamic offenses in the country. They have a really talented college quarterback in Will Rogers. I don't know if he's a pro, but he throws the ball very well through five touchdowns week one against Memphis, against a not very good Memphis team nonetheless. But I think Mississippi State takes care of this one, even coming across the country. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be closer than 10 and a half. Um and I think it will be closer probably early on. Um, I also would think Mississippi State will pull this one out because I do think, like, at the end of the day, it's like SEC recruiting versus bottom of the Pac-12 recruiting. Like, they're just – They do not recruit bottom of the Pac-12. That's a lie. That is a lie. They that were is... the 22nd best recruiting team in the country last year, okay? Okay, fine. They're better than Washington State and Oregon State. You got me. But, they're, I mean – They might the... be better than Mississippi State. Hold on. I'm going to pull up the rankings <laughs> right now. Go go to the college team talent. Oh well, no, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> Listen, Jed Fish doesn't have all his guys yet, but <laughs> you just want to look at their last class. Yes, well, like that's the direction the program's heading in, and they brought in a lot of transfers. Like, yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't indicate what they are right now. Yeah, does that mean Texas A and M's the best team in the country, dude? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, we we need we really need a stat that adjusts college team talent to like how old your players are. Like, I agree because like a and, being a and is fourth in college team talent right now, and that's such a lie because none of their like half of those players that make them like elevated to fourth like aren't getting on the field for them right They're now. They're like eighteen, yeah. Like these guys, like <laughs> for sure. I'm looking oh, for this, by the way. So State <laughs> is really 20- Mississippi State is 29th, by the way, in college team talent. Arizona's 48. So okay, now- okay. <laughs> But okay, again though the transfer ratings they did bring in a lot of transfers who are playing it. Ratio, ratio. Yeah, they're bringing in a lot of transfers who, who are playing well, and they used the rating for the college team talent from like this like made up transfer ranking, which like yeah. I believe is a real thing. 
so you got to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, they do. They do try to adjust them, but by the way, Arizona has a higher team talent than Cincinnati and Minnesota, for that matter. And, okay, but like Cincinnati made the playoff last year. My my, my current eleventh best team in the country, Minnesota. Wait, what? I, I do. I think Minnesota. Hold on, crazy man. I think Minnesota is so legit. Their their defense is incredible. I, Listen, I like Minnesota. I, I think eleventh in the country. What is yeah. that like? A... I I them thirteenth preseason. Wait, we need to see this ballot. Hold on, we might have to do for for later in the week's episode. We might have to like each come up with our top twenty five rankings and just like dissect them. Because uh, like, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I have, have my I have mine done for week two. I just like I. I'm obviously like have to change something around if clubs plays really bad tonight, but I I, I think I have mine done for week two. And I also like I'm not like mo- I'm not like most polls who just like adjust it based on like what the preseason rankings are. Like now that I've like seen these teams play, they just completely changed. So so you saw Minnesota play and said this is a top fifteen team. In the <laughs> well, I had them at thirteen in the preseason, so I already thought they were good, but. Yeah, no, like they played well. They ran for 300 yards, and uh, granted, they played New Mexico State, but they shut them out. Like, what, what else could you have wanted? Listen, I like Minnesota. I said I, I think I had them as I had them in Wisconsin as as the teams I think will ultimately come out of whatever the bloodshed the Big Ten West will be this year. Um, Minnesota's good. I, I I mean I'm not like super against that take. I think ele- like we am eleven again. It's a bold yeah. one. For sure. a I agree, Minnesota. Also, we we need to we need to pump the brakes on Iowa a little. They they didn't look good, obviously. Dude, but... The brakes have been pumped. They're not that good. No, 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 no. Pump the brakes on like the negativity. Like, listen, why? Listen. Because they're first of all, they're banged up at wide receiver right now. They're banged up at linebacker. And granted, like they played freaking terrible on offense. I I get it, but. South Dakota State also didn't cross midfield against their defense. Not once. Dude, so dude, I saw I saw two safeties. I was very impressed with the safety play. I was <laughs> I was impressed with the fact that South Dakota can't field an offense capable of and they were terrible. South Dakota was not good. I, like, like let, let's not let's not make this like, oh, South Dakota's a sneaky good FCS school. They, like, I, I, would, I would, not I would good. still bet I would still bet that Iowa wins eight games. I'm gonna take the under. I, I, they're not winning eight games. I, I would still bet that Iowa wins eight games. Dude, I saw. I, we've seen what Iowa play the last three games, and I think they've scored a total of. I don't. Eight, I don't know if Iowa's gonna points. score a touchdown in eight games. I mean, if you can't score a touchdown against South Dakota, these Big Ten teams are like real football programs. Like <laughs> to, to be fair, to Nebraska, be fair. Jack, they play Nebraska, dude. Okay, I, well, Nebraska's not a real football program. But besides that. Dylan, I'm sure you. I'm and Jack too. I'm sure you guys saw the stat, but Iowa, I believe, since the Penn State game last year, has their special teams and defense has more points than their offense. Dude, I just need to know how Spencer Petras like, like this is important information. Like, how can you be that bad at your job and still keep it? Yeah, that's like, that's I mean, like if I went to class each day and like instead of bringing a notebook. I just like sat in the back, like eating Chipotle, and I was like facing the other direction. I wasn't even facing the screen. And I'm still getting A's. Like, how is that happening? Also, um, 
So I was told, and I would have to double check to make sure how accurate this is, but my friend who is a diehard Iowa football fan told me that since the Penn State game, they've thrown one passing touchdown that wasn't on a screen pass. Uh, they, they shouldn't be allowed to play And hey, hey, it would be it would be two, but they dropped a touchdown on their opening drive against Michigan in the Big Ten Championship. I mean, their quarterback's like 99 cent Ben Roethlisberger. No, 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 no. Don't even put him in the same breath as Ben Oh, not even close, dude. Well, I mean, I mean, like last year, Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw more than five yards. I mean, at least at least he looked like a like a quarterback. He just doesn't even look like a quarterback. He trots onto the field, and you think he's like the punter. Like I think, I think QBR is a terrible stat, but like. Spencer Patrick's having a 1.1 QBR against the FCS team is just absurd. I mean, it's to the point where I think that, like, the Petras family has, like, donated a library or something to <laughs> Iowa, and it's like they can't not start him or else they did lose all that funding. I mean, we, we haven't even – What does he have on the football program? We haven't even mentioned Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, who is – He's, he's in this with Petras. They got something. There is something going on there. Yeah, it's like going behind the. It's dark money for sure. I think we we we've, we've talked enough badly about Iowa. Though. Yeah, we we I mean, we got to see. They don't deserve our time. Good for us they'll, too. They'll still win eight games. No, they won't. <laughs> okay, I think I think we're gonna live it off track. Uh, we're probably gonna wrap it up. Again, we'll try to do another episode later in the week. I think that was, this was pretty good. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited for tonight's game. We'll have our reactions again later in the week along with our top 25 ballots. But thanks for listening and uh, tune in. Tune in later.